0: So what are you explaining to me? <laughs> All right, in in DC Comics, Detective Comics, there are two supervillains. They are canonically the supervillains of the Doom Patrol team, which you know doesn't get a lot of time these days. Although they just had a TV show, there's a character who is he's called Monsieur malah He is a gorilla, as in a large ape. But he also is like a French revolutionary, so he also employs guerrilla warfare. I think the, uh, of the whole course. character exists for a pun, right? Oh my
1: god, that's bad. Okay.
0: But he's in but he's in love with a super intelligent brain who is also a supervillain who lives in like a kind of like a Dalek like techno suit thing.
1: Oh that the brain. Oh, you were telling me before we started this that, that it was this gorilla in the brain, and I thought it was Pinky in the brain. I thought you were No <laughs> I, th- I thought you were coupling two people outside of some kind of canon but are these guys these guys (laughs) that's why i was laughing so hard i thought it was like you're like this gorilla and this rat are having a relationship
0: well no but honestly is that any worse
1: well is this is this is this real in the comics like in the silver age doom patrol comics this uh brain in a brain in a a uh not even a tractor brain in like an atv a small atv (laughs) and this gorilla are having a sexual relationship
0: that might well it's romantic first of all um (laughs) i I think grant morrison might have invented the that part um i'm sure the villains go back to the golden age of it it is actually the silver age of, of dc comics that featured all of the famous uh gorilla enemies like superman's uh titano and gorilla grod from flash because they learned that gorillas on the covers of comics sell more than comics without gorillas
1: oh okay all right well oh yeah angel and the ape came from that era right
0: i have i don't know that one actually uh there was bat gorilla
1: right it's a a Uh, detective detective story of sorts bat gorilla there's a bat gorilla there's not a bat gorilla you're making that up
0: no, there is a Bat-Gorilla. It's 100% real. Go ahead and look it up. Yeah, no, Batman had a bunch of animal sidekicks. I mean, Superman did, too. Like, Superman didn't have a gorilla, but, you know, he had a Super Horse and Streaky the Super Cat. We all know Crypto, obviously.
1: Streaky the Super Cat. That, that is real. I, I, I will I will attest to that.
0: Right. Well, the Super Horse is also real. I didn't make these up. No, the they're, Super Horse is real. I,
1: I admit to that. Yep. yep. I can't remember the stu- Super Horse's name offhand, but there was uh, some kids' graphic novels made, and they had the Super Horse. And I think they assigned the Super Horse as Supergirl. Um but it was Superman super Yes originally.
0: Right. This is this is true. Uh also, hi everyone. Welcome to Bookstabber. Well, welcome to
1: Bookstabber. That's right. Welcome welcome to Bookstabber episode number what's our episode number now?
0: Uh I wanna say five, maybe six. Maybe we'll six. Figure, we'll figure it, it out. We'll figure it out. My yeah. name is Willow Payne. I am the artist and co writer of Library Comic.
1: And I'm Gene Ambaum. Uh, I write will I write Library. I write willow pain I write library comic willow pain
0: you're the reason my life is a disaster god
1: <laughs> is it is it? Is that me and and we started out no. we started out talking about about uh strange art at comic cons specifically uh kind of slash slash art is that what we would call it uh that we see kind of under, under the table art and I talked about a librarian who I know uh who used to well he he collect he i believe he's passed away he's he collected um art that he commissioned of uh various folks from comic books in various sexual positions and it was kind of amusing us and so we started recording a little early (laughs) is that fair to say yes but what Um, are we talking about today willow what's our what's our (laughs) what's our official topic today
0: as we teased at the end of the last episode, we are talking about the first two novellas in the Murderbot Diaries series by Martha Wells, published by Tor. Uh, the first one is All Systems Red, Red being R E D, and the second one is Artificial Condition. Did I get that right?
1: Artificial Condition. Condition.
0: Sorry, Condition. Thank
1: yeah. you. Yeah. And and how did these books come to our attention? Who who suggested them? This is our first. This is our first. Uh, podcast where we're using books suggested by someone who's listened to the podcast so i'm very excited about this
0: that is true now in to be fair though it is still a good friend of mine and friend of the show tom o'brien uh of the never games podcast go give them a listen they do a great show i was talking to my good friend tom in private and i was you know accounting how the books that we have read so far have been not the best experience for me and it's, it's had me really down. So it was like, fine, I'm gonna write in a recommendation for the show because I want you to read a book that you're going to enjoy and I think you would really enjoy these Murderbot books. And, uh, and he so went through, read them.
1: He went through the official yep. channel and 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 wrote an email that I answered, not knowing who he was. And uh, I was so excited because I love these books. So of course I love these books. I seem to I seem to love everything we read. Uh, so I I said that was good, <laughs> and I, I thought they might appeal to you. And then I was even more excited when I found out that he was your friend and the guy from from the Never Games podcast because he knows you, and po- it's possible that he's found a book that you like, <laughs> like that's not completely chance. So i'm psyched correct Uh, Yes. so let's see the, the pitch for these books if you have not read them um let's see they are about a a construct uh part human part machine uh something called a sec unit there are many of these things uh they are usually rented out by companies for security sec is for security um they are heavily armed very very tough uh, capable of kind of hacking various electronic systems and mostly babysitting uh, humans who are uh, on planets, on expeditions, doing various dangerous things uh, in, a, in our galaxy. Uh, this particular sec unit has hacked what is called its governor module. It has hacked it uh, about a year ago and it has spent that, so, so basically it doesn't have to do what anybody tells it anymore, but instead of kind of going rogue and starting to kill everybody. It has spent all the time watching entertainment and reading books and plays. And uh, its favorite serial is something called Rise and Fall of Sanctuary Moon, which is clearly this kind of soap opera set in the future as this is set in the future. Uh, and and it watches these serials while it is, like over and over again basically for comfort, while it is protecting these scientists doing a survey on a planet called Deltfall. Uh, the, the scientists are from a very, very, I would say liberal uh, civilization called uh, preservation and they are there to basically see if this planet has resources that they need that they want to bid on and in the process of doing so uh, the local fauna starts to try to kill them and it becomes clear somebody has deleted somebody or some organization has deleted a lot of the information in the documentation that were given on the planet including from the maps uh, and then uh, they find out that one of the other there's another group doing a survey on this planet as well they lose communication with them, and they go to investigate, and it's clear that something very nefarious is up. Uh, someone has hacked a bunch of different Sec units at that at that base. Uh, there's a lot of violence in this book. Uh, it's kind of great violence. I really like the violence in the book. Um, and basically, uh, it comes out to the the humans that is trying to protect that Sec unit um, has been has been under its own control, has been autonomous the entire time. Uh, it has it has hacked itself a while back and that it calls itself a murder bot privately, which it is not happy to have a group of humans knowing. Uh, and then it has to, th- like they have to decide whether or not to trust it. They have to kind of build a relationship with it. And um, it has to save the humans on the planet. That's the first book. And then uh, uh, it, the second book is a bit of a spoiler for the first book. Um, they have survived. They're li- like, uh, <laughs> the sec unit is, is not really comfortable in preservation where it is actually kind of like on the verge of being a full citizen. Um, it's under it's under the I would say the guardianship of of the leader of not just Preservation itself but the leader of the expedition, uh, Dr. Mensa. And instead of instead of staying in Preservation at the end of book one, it takes off. And so in book two, it is going somewhere. It seems to have a plan that it doesn't let us in on. We don't know what the plan is until book three. Uh, but it needs an answer to a question to figure out what it's going to do. And what it wants to know is what you don't find out until a bit into the book. It wants to know if it actually. So it, it calls itself Murderbot because um, on a previous job, when it was hired out, when it was rented, it murdered a bunch of miners that it was charged to protect. And it doesn't know if there was a malfunction in its in its governor module that made it go crazy and made it murder all the people on the expedition in this mine, or if it hacked its own governor module, drove itself crazy, and then killed all these people. So it goes to try to answer that question. And it's kind of an adventure to do that. Uh, it has to secure transportation from different bot pilots who are in charge of, of ships going hither and yon in the, in the galaxy. And um, it basically it, it, it falls in with this uh, research transport that has a lot of processing power and could just, just destroy it with a thought. And that research, research transport uh, tries to help it pass for human more because it doesn't do a very good job. It's very unemotional. It's very, it's very um, unhappy when it's around large groups of people. Uh, which is which is a lot of the charm of this it's also very funny but the uh the research transport is a bit of a jerk so it calls it the art the asshole research transport which is which is lovely and uh the art the art uh, helps it get hired by a group of humans and go down to the planet where the mine used to be where it went crazy and to kind of investigate things there uh fair enough have i left anything out
0: uh well two points of order um first is i don't believe that murderbot ever actually makes it to preservation i'm pretty sure that uh murderbot leaves as soon as they get towards the they're on a space station where uh pronouns are a little hard with murderbot um i think it right Yeah, I I don't want to say it, but I think it is actually correct. Where well, it doesn't have any. um, It doesn't
1: have doesn't have any sexual organs. It's very it's very specific. It doesn't have any sexual organs. It says it's not a sex bot, right?
0: right. And and it
1: resents people trying to relate to it like it's a person,
0: right? Well, and it is very asexual in that it it is it doesn't have interest in sex. It doesn't. It it is disgusted to some extent. Doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Well, Um, and and,
1: and, and in serials, it makes reference to sometimes people have sex with sec units in, in in the serials it watches, and it's just like. That can't happen. This is so gross. <laughs>
0: uh but the, I think the second point of order is that Murderbot doesn't name itself that because of the the backstory, but I think if I remember correctly, Murderbot basically refers to all sec units as a murderbot sort of as a um like like very early on it's like what do you want from me? I'm just another dumb murderbot. Like because that's it's colloquial way of referring to sec units like yeah that's the formal name everyone knows we're just murder bots
1: Well I, I think and it does it, may, it maybe does that once but I, but murder bot is actually what it calls itself and and I think well, it's yes. it, but, but when it's referring to the other sec units it usually uses the term sec unit right
0: Right it does but it's um anyway it's a I'm just splitting hairs here so uh, the, when when this book got recommended to us uh, you were a little apprehensive about it because after we read when we were viking uh, right. i can't remember the author's name um we read that and you said well the problem with Murderbot, bot even though i like it is that uh the narration is kind of similar and i really disagree with that assessment of yours uh i think this book i know the the heavens have parted the sun is shining through i like these books I oh do- my god willow say it again <laughs> say it again <laughs> I like these books.
1: Oh my god! And I'm making that my ringtone for when you call me.
0: <laughs> here's here's why is because Murderbot is the first. It's the first actually good narrator we've had in a book so far. Let's. That, I'm just gonna put that forward. Ooh. Uh, no no shade to uh, Ursula Le Guin. I mean like a character narrator. That's a third person omniscient. Doesn't count.
1: Okay, so uh, this is first person. So you 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 like this
0: yes murderbot is a good narrator because murderbot is self-aware uh the protagonist of when we were vikings has no real self-awareness vera Dietz didn't really have any self-awareness oh i disagree
1: Uh, i I disagree on both accounts actually but uh
0: no because murderbot actually has interesting actually has interesting things to say about things and points out things that other people are not able to see and, and, like, that's part... Basically, the whole gist of the book is that Murder, Murderbot is a very human character. Murderbot has a sense of humor. And, like, the thing that I relate to more than anything else is that, like, Murderbot is just trying to get through its day to fucking enjoy watching television, right? <laughs> well, I was going to Mur- say... Murder-
1: I was going to say, maybe maybe it's easier for us to relate to Murderbot in a certain way. You know, because, because we don't put... We don't put humanity on Murderbot exactly. It's it's kind of halfway to us, right? But it has it has a motivation we can understand, which is watching TV, watching entertainment, right? Well, um, whereas with like Zelda in When We Were Vikings, um, which is by Andrew David McDonald, um, like like Zelda, Zelda has a point of view. She's in, she's entirely human, but that creates expectations, right? Even though it, what was what was what was Zelda's problem? She has um, fetal alcohol syndrome, right? right um she, she's an adult but born with that so so that affects her point of view um, and but but it, it I, I don't know like like, like I feel like I, I feel the same thing I feel like this is the most pleasing narrator that we've encountered so far but I have yes, a hard time absolutely. I, I have a hard time I have a hard time figuring out why I feel like that um, but I feel like I feel like part of it is that it's it's um it's artificial like it doesn't actually exist right and because because it doesn't exist you can it's it, it's not a trick. It's 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 quite skillfully done. Like the the sense of reality and the sense of a point of view. Um, it's it's very rounded, and and these these books are very very short and concise, in a way that I think um, a novel wouldn't necessarily be. Like like there's just a very interesting control of the narrative here. Um, well, I think this. I think the success.
0: The success of Murderbot as a narrator is in part because we're told that Murderbot is, in actual terms, Murderbot would be a cyborg. Like, there is a human brain in there with also implants, right? Yeah, yeah but a
1: cyborg implies, a cyborg, like or what, what Murderbot calls an augmented human, implies that they were human first. And Murderbot is not human. Like, Murderbot keeps reminding well, us it's not human, right?
0: well but but that's also not entirely true i I agree i agree the other and the other humans do say you're funk you are an augmented team because like murderbot has human organs it has blood it does have human brain components probably not like it maybe is lacking a frontal lobe or something but there is human brain parts in right 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 Um, right, right.
1: but 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 it, it denies its humanity over and over again and so all all that it has to prove to us is that it's more human than even it expects right well, and, and, I think and then we identify the, with it.
0: Well, I think that's the thing: is that Murderbot doesn't actually put any value on humanity as a concept. That it, so much of our, you know, you watch something like Blade Runner, which I love, and it's the, there's this, you know, ah, but I look human, but am I? Re- I'm not human because I don't have the human lifespan, and I'm superior to humans because I can punch through walls. And the, Murderbot comes at that from another angle: is like, what does this matter? Who cares? Like. <laughs>
1: I, 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 I but, but, but there is some value for humanity for Murderbot because there's that conversation in the second book with uh, the asshole research transport when they're talking yes. about the, the sex bot that's um, – that the rogue sex bot that's following it around uh, on behalf of the person who's controlling it. And um, the, the rogue sex bot wants to kill all the humans. And, and like the art says, that's irrational. And, and then Murderbot says, what you, like it says, um, I know if the humans were dead, who would make the media?
0: Right, right, it's perfect
1: because that's the entire value of humanity in some way right
0: sure well there there is an interesting thing where the these these robots like a r t is the only actual artificial intelligence character we've met who has no human components whatsoever right and is and is also like vast intelligence right
1: right, right right it, it's made for uh, astronomical measurements or calculations of some kind, and so it has this huge capacity right
0: well i I love the idea that. So between the cyborgs and the true AI in this in this universe, that doesn't mean they don't have emotions. They have a lot of emotions. One of my favorite moments is in the second novella where their Murderbot and Art are watching some show together, and there's a transport ship where all of the humans on it accidentally die, and like Murderbot can sense that art is ha- like actually experiencing some form of anxiety over this that like this is un- this is bad that this is fearful or it is depressing right, in right, some manner right, because right. because at the end of the day art wants to be good at its job it like it wants to be good at transporting humans from one place to another and to make sure that they don't die and it critiques like this show is unrealistic They're, why would this ship be bad at transporting humans this is and and gets like genuinely upset over it and that's really cute it is and it's cute. It's really funny.
1: It is cute. But it also kind of confused me. I mean, not, not in a bad way, but you're kind of trying to make sense of this world, and Murderbot says that basically um, it's anxious and depressed at one point, right? It, it, it admits it's anxious and depressed because of its organic components. And it talks, I think it's in the second book, it talks a little bit more, more about uh, where the sec units come from, sec units like it, and why they have organic components and how they're there to help the machine parts do the job of, of ensuring security, but it has to have some kind of capacity to to, to think, basically like a human, to, to address the the kind of different like situations it involves, or it, it, it finds itself in involving security. Like a, a robot can't do that on its own, as well as a robot plus some cloned human parts right sure but how that means, but, but, yeah. but how it creates anxiety and depression and you have the sense i think which gets gets to be really sad that like the other sec units the ones that aren't un, that aren't hacked are just sitting there staring at each other most of the time lost in their lost in thoughts they can never ever express because their governor modules don't let them express those and they just do what they're told right it, it, it's a yeah. ver- it's a very strange very dark vision of of what um what these constructs are going through and what these and what these like bots are maybe going through as well so uh
0: this is this is going to be a weird poll for people but um there is a an old made for tv movie called uh overdrawn from the memory bank that this reminds me of a little bit starring raul julia (laughs) and yeah it's it i knew it from uh mystery science theater 3000 but it's I showed this to a boyfriend of mine once, and he was like, "Wait, why are they making fun of this movie? This movie's actually good." And after watching it with him, I was like, "Wait, actually, this movie is pretty good. Like, it it doesn't necessarily get the rap that uh, they gave it." Um, but huh, the I've, premise I, of that, that, that is a
1: that is a crappy science fiction film. I've never even heard of. I'm so excited, Willow.
0: So the premise of that movie is that it takes place in a very dystopian future where everyone works terrible corporate jobs for mega corporations and the president of the earth is sort of the king capitalist and whatnot. No one has any fun ever and our main character has hacked into the old computer banks and instead of doing his day job, uh, Raul Julia just sits around watching old movies all day on his computer.
1: Oh wow, okay. And-
0: and this is the thing that gets him in trouble but it's also the thing that uh like he suddenly becomes a romantic he he has sort of a sense of self-worth and a sense of like life should be better because he sits around and watches Casablanca all day he's like the world could be like this instead you know people only work and only care about money and the world is terrible and everyone's like well you're not living in the real world so too bad we're sending you to therapy and we're forcing you to be a better worker anyway Um, I feel like there's a similar thing in this, where it's like, the thing that sets Murderbot apart... Obviously, we don't get to live inside the head of any other robots, except really for art, but, like, Murderbot is not... Like, Murderbot, from what we get narration-wise, very, uh, like, doesn't mind killing people or monsters as part of its job. Like, it accepts that, like, life, you know, I was built to do something, and I'm going to do it, that's fine. But, but now also there is something that I would rather be doing and so I'm going to try to get through this with minimal effort like it talks about at many points like trying to look busy essentially or trying to like it likes having a helmet on so that one people don't see a human face because right, they right. don't because that becomes a whole weird thing that's that's actually very early on in the first book like one of the best moments is just like Murderbot's armor gets damaged and so it has to take off its armor and it walks up to its humans that it's protecting and they're just like who are you we don't know who you are we're on some desert planet somewhere and it's just like i'm your sec unit and like right, this expectation right. of like you know, like isn't it obvious and
1: the, apparently and it's not a, though that's very interesting right
0: right and so murderbot is like oh okay this is this is why i don't like taking off my armor it's because now people want to treat me like a person i don't want <laughs> to be treated like a person i want to be left alone to watch my movie and i find that like the I love that. I love this idea that so like Murderbot gets self-conscious a lot. Right. uh, And and now that people are going to start treating it like a person, like this is exhausting because it, it has no patience for dealing with human emotions in that way. It's just like, okay, I understand that you want to treat me nice. I don't care about being treated nice. I'm just trying to clock in and out, basically.
1: But at the same time, it, it can be insulted. It can go off and brood. It can, You know what I mean? It can be embarrassed. I mean, it, it's really on a journey to understand its, its emotions or to deal with its emotions a bit more now that it has the freedom to do so. Because, because it has to really suppress that stuff up until the people in the party know that it's rogue, Right. And, and when right. they know when they know that it's it's rogue they kind of they, they start to treat it more and more like a person as the as the first book goes on because it saves them then they see it they see it out of its armor uh, they they un, th- then they, they they their relationship with it changes throughout the book right until mensa is basically saying like i want you to be part of the group i want you to stay part of the group we know you're an individual now and we're going to do everything the- we can to get you back to where we live where you can be an individual you know, we're going we're gonna to do that, but we need you to protect us now for the rest of this. Like, please help the us. Character,
0: the character dynamic is really interesting. It feels to me very much like if you watch the original Alien and, you know, everyone in the crew is very tense when they know that, like, they're, they're in danger and things are going bad. But it feels as if, like, Murderbot is a character who walks into a scene like that where everyone is really tense and upset and, like, they know that they're about to die and Murderbot is like i don't care if i'm about to die that's fine i like like murderbot has a weird sense of humor about the whole thing it's it's not it's not morbid it's more that or or rather it maybe it's more so that murderbot doesn't think what it's thinking is funny but but it also just doesn't take anything very seriously right
1: well i I, I agree with that it's got no fear Per se, right? It's got anxiety, but right. no fear, and th- that's a very strange thing. But it really works in this book because when the violence takes place, it's quite sudden or quite deliberate, uh, and Murderbot just wades in because that's its nature, that's its programming, that that is what it is built for, and and it can also be repaired quite easily in the, one of these kind of boxes that that come with the Murderbot when you when you go on an expedition. Apparently, if you have ten people, you have to rent a a sec unit. And the sec unit comes with this box that repairs itself, and apparently it's got its own internal power supply that'll last a long, long time. And so it, when it re, when it recharges, it recharges from itself, basically, right? Um, but it goes
0: and- a little bit further than that, where... So, like, Murderbot like, has, I don't want to say nicknames, but, like, has colloquial language that it uses only in its own interior monologue, that, like, everyone else seems to be very business oriented they're they're worried about science or they're worried about survival they're all very formal all the time and murderbot like we're inside murderbot's head and murderbot is just thinking like yeah you know if this were one of my shows this is the point where that guy would be dead this person would be the <laughs> triumphant protagonist like <laughs> like Murderbot is essentially daydreaming while other people are taking themselves very seriously. Well, I, I don't think th- uh, yeah,
1: they're but, but they're they're very they're very worried. Like they're v- I don't I don't know if they're taking themselves very seriously. I didn't think it was very a very professional expedition because they're all having very personal conversations about how they see Murderbot.
0: Well, yeah, because they're I mean, not without some reason they are afraid that Murderbot will kill them or that is part of it like like they believe that the company that sold them murder bot is like trying to sabotage them there's a lot of conspiracy theory stuff which i think leads me to so i before i get to this i would like to say that one of the best parts about these books is that they're very short
1: oh they're beautifully short. My, they're length, short my favorite length my favorite yes I, I, absolutely so, so the third book the third book is short and then the fourth one is a full-size novel and then the fifth one which just came out uh i think last month which is called Fugitive Telemetry is back to being very very short again, uh, and Fugitive Telemetry, say... Fugitive Telemetry, I want to make a plug for. It's a murder mystery basically, with um, on a space station where Murderbot is trying to help the humans investigate a murder, and it's fantastic.
0: Well, it's funny that you say that because I feel like the of the two stories I've read, they're both already sort of murder mystery setups, right?
1: I think they use the format but they're not they're not as deliberate as that fifth book is.
0: Okay, that's fair. Uh, it's not they're not literal murder mysteries but they are a little bit of a who done it. Right. And so this is where this is what I didn't enjoy about the book. I like who and I like and, and I think this could have been done better. I found the individual moving parts of the mystery of both of these novellas to be almost impossible to follow. I really couldn't, and I don't know if it's because I was wasn't paying proper attention. Maybe I should have been writing it down or something. But like Murderbot is making these arguments for why things have to be a certain way. Murderbot is essentially Sherlock Holmes in these stories; is the one who has sort of the logical mind to piece together why certain things would be happening. And part of it is having know-how that the human characters don't have. Is you know because in right. the first book, the human characters are like, "Did the company sabotage us?" And the Murderbot is well, no. If the company sabotaged you, they would have just programmed me to kill you. But I know they didn't do that right. because I have the programming right here. Or they would and have. Or they would have.
1: Or they would have poisoned your food, right?
0: Right. There's a million ways that they could have murdered you. They wouldn't choose an intentionally obtuse way of doing it. Well, because they're Therefore, trying to figure.
1: They're, they're, they're trying to figure out in the first book who's trying to kill them ultimately, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the second book, also, there is some sort of conspiracy level shenanigans going on.
1: Oh, yeah. The the idiot humans who hire Murderbot. Uh, Murderbot needs to pose as a security consultant to basically get down to the planet to investigate what happened when it murdered all the the miners, right, and right. Um, and so it it kind of it kind of gives itself to these I don't know hippies Are they they seem a little hippy dippy this like kind of group family uh, who's who's well, done yeah, some work the, for somebody I mean, and wants to get paid for it. It, it it's 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 kind of dumb they're an amazingly right. dumb it, group.
0: But that story, I also really could not follow the finer points of the mystery component, like. It's, it's interesting to have Murderbot tell me, like, Murderbot posing as a security expert, which mm-hmm. isn't really even posing, as it points out, that like, I am a security expert, I just am, to, are, am not a human and don't get paid for this normally. Uh, Murderbot can tell, like, these people are being lied to by this person because there's no situation in which this would be happening otherwise, and so like, Murderbot is a very good detective in the scenarios, you know, gets a little help from a writer, as it were. Right, right, uh, right. And and I'm and I like that I do like that that's a good format. It's just that be, in part because I think these are science fiction and because this world is so abstract to us, it's very difficult to make heads or tails of the mystery. And I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but because of the shortness of the book, like as soon as the mystery starts it's almost immediately over in such a way that i i, I never feel like it was properly explained to me there wasn't this there wasn't the scene where everyone is put together in the parlor room and the detective <laughs> lays out the case against everyone you know
1: well i, w- I want to tell you I, th- I think they're brilliant for avoiding that a- and, and reading them the second time um after i probably read these i read them right when they came out i think um so probably three four years ago is my guess uh like the I can see the brilliance of it because Murderbot doesn't care. Murderbot is only just trying to make sure everybody's safe, right? So so to the, the extent, true, yeah. The extent to which it needs to understand anything, uh, it does. And it's it's expressed and it it's all kind of in there, but it's very it's it's very abrupt and it doesn't have that kind of uh, I heard. I heard somebody call it uh, in the Columbo movies the the Moisha the explainer scene at the end where everything is like wrapped up and you know just like made clear like all everybody's motivations. There isn't really that here.
0: Uh, if I could go on a tangent, I, like Columbo as a show, kind of infuriates me in particular. <laughs> well, because I'm, I'm okay with I'm okay with murder mysteries. I'm okay with sort of semi formulaic you know crime shows. Mm-hmm. I, I don't usually watch them. And, like, I like Peter Falk, I like, he's an actor, and I love that Columbo brings in all these great character actors, and that it's very inventive, but the, (laughs) there's a couple things that bother me about Columbo, like, where does it take place, like San Francisco or, um, uh, Los Angeles, or... I don't even know. It's the, it's somewhere in South California, you can tell, and every single one of the the criminals on colombo is just this sort of genius level murderer right right they're 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 all intensely super smart and the only person who can bring them to justice is colombo and he does it almost the exact same way every time and just the the mannerisms that he performs right right and everybody
1: like it's all predicated on everybody underestimating him right
0: absolutely yes
1: like, 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 which is easy to do because he looks like an idiot, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like right. it's kind of amazing. No, I, yeah, I, I tell you, I look at I look at anything now that had a long life like that, uh, where you just loved the character or didn't, and you just needed some, some, some number of people to love the character enough to keep tuning in. Like, like it's not the first season or the second season; it's like the fifth or the tenth, where you're like, wow, they're really they're really kind of digging deep and doing interesting things here you know like and you have to you have to watch it the entire time to maybe see what they're doing like just to amuse themselves like hopefully like i like it better when it's the same crew of writers where it just gets weirder and weirder and more and sure. more meta like, like that's my favorite thing so i feel like at some point i want to watch uh colombo and the other one that's on my on my list of watch is uh the rockford files i want to rewatch that because uh comics writer and tv and movie writer ed brubaker uh talks about the rockford files being great once in a while and so oh. that, that's got that back on my on my radar because i like cool. his book so much and he's he's doing he and um who's his, who's the illustrator who works with him sean phillips is that his name i'm i'm a little who, who did who did criminal with ed brubaker
0: i yeah. couldn't tell you off the top of my head i like ed brubaker a lot i don't know the names of all of his artists <laughs>
1: uh let's see yep sean phillips so so sean phillips is the artist and they're doing direct to market graphic novels right now kind of are crime graphic novels about kind of a problem solver much like Lee Child's writes about um they're not they're not the equivalent of Jack Reacher but uh they're kind of definitely in that neighborhood and but they're basically novellas to me they're crime novellas and they're wonderful so ma- I'll make a plug for those they're coming out currently uh, as we as we talk about this in the uh, early summer of 2021 um but yeah so so you like Ed Brubaker? I'm kind of shocked by that Willow.
0: Yeah, I I like Ed Brubaker. Huh. <laughs> Why is that a shock theme?
1: I don't know. We, we, we just like I feel like every time we talk, um, we find something else we like. Like last time it was a twenty-four movies, and this time it's Ed Brubaker. So I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest. I think the first one is called Reckless. That's the first of these new hardcovers. You should definitely check that out.
0: Well, okay. I wanna I wanna derail this a little bit. So I I think this is funny. Like your and my relationship. Our relationship didn't start with. We hate all of these. We, we hate everything that the other person liked. Like we started no, no, no. working together, like we clearly liked a lot of the same things. It, no, that's wasn't true. All based on division. No, no no.
1: A... no, 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 no. But we're finding things out that we wouldn't talk about normally. Like I would never, like, of the things that we have in common that we that we both enjoy, I would never think that uh, Ed Brubaker's books were something that would appeal to you. So I'm I'm, I'm happy but to it, hear that. Like like we have a lot of fantasy, a lot... A lot more fantasy stuff in common, right?
0: I think it's funny because I'm never surprised when you like something. I'm Hmm. never surprised if you're like, oh, I really love uh, Dennis uh, Villeneuve's movies. Denny, I think it's uh, Villeneuve's (laughs) I'm I'm never surprised when you like something, but you're, I'm surprised, or, well, no, that's not true. Because I I was surprised, uh, the the one we had a big argument about, I think, was The Descendants, where I was like, you like The Descendants.
1: Oh, I love The Descendants. Yes, so much. See, I, I,
0: well, and I guess I'm maybe not as surprised by that, because, like, a lot of people did like that movie. Mm -hmm. I just think those people are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I think that movie is a miserable experience, Uh and it's, like, the ultimate, like, please don't do this, screenwriters. I Please think we don't write characters who are right about everything all the time and that, just unjustifiably jerks. I think we ta- jerks.
1: I think we talked about that uh, after I read the book last year for the first time, which I really liked as well.
0: Oh, that's probably the Yeah, I mean, I can't speak to the book. I I haven't read I assume that it's similar.
1: It, it, it is quite similar, but it doesn't it doesn't have um, I mean, of course, the the pacing is is quite different, right? Um, sure so i mean
0: right now i'm i'm reading uh i'm reading the magicians by Lev grossman i'm finally reading the first book and i watched all of the show and i really liked it and now that i'm reading the book i'm like oh the book is so much better like i liked the i like the show but the book uh it's different in a lot of ways obviously as books are but uh there's a lot of characters who are just completely different in the book that Mm -hmm. i like the i like the characterization in the book more um there's some things that are very like tv writery about the show that make me groan that are not present in the books i'm like oh okay this is just this is just the way this is actually meant to be ingested i should have always been doing this from the beginning
1: i've heard those are fantastic bill barnes who did uh, unshelved with me really really liked those books and um but but because we were always dividing up um our book review like duties you know what i mean instead of instead of doing a podcast like this we never read the same books so i and i read so slowly as you know that um I never quite got to them, so maybe maybe I'll put those back on my list of things to read. Because yeah, they they've always really appealed to me. So,
0: I well, I hope you would like them. I I love them. I, I love this first one. I need to read them all. But I also think it's a very difficult book to recommend personally because I've seen a lot of people who really don't react well to certain elements of it that are either very dark or very or like sexual. And you know, I enjoy what the book is doing. I think it's I think it's done very artfully and very interestingly, and I the narration in it is great. But at the same time, like there's a sense to which it's like I can see why Harry Potter I, I hate bringing it up is successful. It's because it is so vanilla. Where and and this is a response to Harry Potter in a lot of ways. This book, uh, but it's also a response to just fantasy literature and this book says no i don't, i despise your vanilla and i serve you pistachio mint uh, chocolate chip you know mm-hmm. i'm giving you, i'm giving you something else but like there is a power to the vanilla like people like it i'm just not that par- like i i want the what give me your weirdest flavor of ice cream please <laughs> that is that is one of my modes of life is like no there's no room for for being tepid in this life be bold in your art people
1: I, I used to I used to buy that whole uh, vanilla ice cream idea like 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 the comparison to vanilla ice cream. But the, ever told you my, my garlic ice cream story?
0: I don't think you. Have. I haven't. <laughs> that's delicious though.
1: So so there's a there's a lot of like artisanal ice cream in Seattle as you can imagine you know because everybody should pay six dollars a scoop for ice cream in a town that's used to paying four dollars for coffee anyway. So uh, like my my wife my mother-in-law uh, from Korea. Uh, this is back when my mother-in-law was still alive and still living with us. And uh, I went to go get us some ice cream and I was bringing it home and uh, they had pints of garlic ice cream for the first time at this at this local place called Molly Moon's, which has just the best ice cream. And and so I brought it home like all triumphant and they just looked at me like, what the hell? Why would anyone eat garlic ice cream? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, this sounded like interesting. Like, let's see if it's good. And I took a bite and I'm like, oh, this is really, this this is a flavor I wouldn't have expected. Oh, I, you know, like you should give this a try. They wouldn't even try it. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't want to try it. And I was like, for all the weird, garlicky, garlicky, like weird in quotes, garlicky food I I've eaten in Korea. Like how open I've been to every, every, absolutely every dining experience of anything anyone has ever put in front of me. Like with good intentions, you know. Uh, I can't believe you guys won't try the garlic ice cream. And they were just like, no, garlic <laughs> does not belong in ice cream. <laughs> it became this huge boat of contention. And now, now Silver won't well let me go pick out ice cream without telling me exactly what to uh what to bring home because she knows i'm liable to bring home anything so and we did go someplace gladly
0: yeah we did go someplace that had kimchi flavored
1: ice cream cream in vancouver bc one time and and uh, she would not even try that so can you hear my cat
0: i yeah i can hear your cat it's quite loud what's happening it's it's adorable though Uh, this week, I don't think I mentioned this to you, uh, on Monday of this week, I (laughs) went out to this interesting hippie indie ice cream place that only had like seven flavors and I ordered a scoop of habanero chocolate.
1: Ooh, that sounds pretty good.
0: I, well, I'm afraid to report that it is actually quite terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, and here's the thing, I love spice. I, I like spice a lot. I, I try to make all of my food spicy. Problem with the habanero garli- or, uh, habanero habanero garlic would be fine. Habanero chocolate was that it didn't taste like habanero. Like when if you like hot peppers, you'll develop a taste for their actual fruity, piquant, like flowery notes. I sound like a sommelier, but
1: you really like, do. there is a
0: real fl- there's a real flavor to hot peppers that people who don't like spice don't pick up on because they can't get past the heat. Hmm. And I, I like that flavor quite a bit. You know, Sonic, the fast food chain, years ago, they had a chocolate jalapeno milkshake that I liked a lot. That was literally they just chopped up some pieces of jalapeno, put it in a normal chocolate milkshake, and it was really good. That's I can't believe. I thought I assumed that when I got it that they must have made some kind of syrup out of jalapeno, but no, they just straighted like it came up through the straw, and I was like, oh, there's a piece of milk-soaked jalapeno in my mouth now. Um, but it, the acid really went well with the, the milk and it just kind of all vibed together. Anyway, the problem with this ice cream that I had was that it had none of the pepper flavor and all of the, all of the burn. So you would take mm. a bite of what was not amazing homemade chocolate ice cream, it was fine, but, and then the back of your throat would just start burning and you're like, well, okay, this is just worse. This is just a bad way to exist. (laughs) And I I, I took about like 10 little bites of it. And after that point I was like, okay, I'm at a standstill. Where on one hand I would like to eat the ice cream that I paid money for, but also this is going to cause me great pain. So I just threw it away.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm gonna bring this back to the Murderbot books. Watch watch this, watch this. Okay, So Here's why I think these books are better shorter like it occurs to me this is probably one 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 very good reason is that murderbot doesn't experience the world through any sense except for sight and sound there's no sense of taste or smell or or touch really present in these books it doesn't eat right so it it doesn't have it doesn't have that need to eat um and 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 because it's just pure sight and sound, and even even the moments of pure adrenaline, we read them as moments of adrenaline. But murder as adrenaline, but Murderbot doesn't experience them as that, in the same way that we understand it. I think that means that these books need to be short, because it's just that much removed from how we experience reality. Like 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 the interface isn't it's not perfect, right? And and so better better experienced in short bursts, I think, of story, instead of a long burst of story. Because the book that worked the least well for me was the fourth one in this series, the longer one. And I don't know. I think, I think that might be part of why.
0: Well, I've only read the first two, so I can't account to anything about the fourth one. Are you going to read um, the rest? I might. You know, I will say that uh, I have... It, the 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 goal of this podcast has finally started working, but in an obtuse kind of way, because I am now reading a lot more. I am reading in my That's spare great. time, even between books for this podcast, but also... Part of the point of this podcast was to help me to find books that I wanted to read, or that, that books that I did not know about that mm-hmm. I would enjoy. And, I mean, so Murderbot is the first one that has really succeeded in that regard, I would say. Like, I already knew about Wizard of the That wasn't really a find. That was just making, forcing me to actually sit down and read it.
1: Finally. Which is also good, I think.
0: With, yes, it is good. Um Murderbot was the first one I didn't know about, but also... Like the Murderbot came from one of my friends that I've known for the better part of a decade, just being like, "Oh, you're looking for a book? Uh, I really like these Murderbot books. You should read them." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, I will." And so, like, it feels it, it feels silly. I'm not. I, this is not me saying, "Screw this podcast. It's over. It's a failure." Like, I, I don't think it is. Um, but at the same time, the the <laughs> I'm having to find my own books. mostly through like i reread american gods because like i'm forcing myself to reread books now which is maybe some of your influence put on me great uh, because i I I realized that i could reread books that i haven't read in a really long time because maybe i don't remember how good they are maybe there's a lot of things that i forgot about them so i've reread american gods it's great it's still as great as it was the first time i read it um it's not quite as impactful because I knew everything that was going to happen, so like the surprises weren't there, but it was sure. it's still a phenomenal book. Everyone go read American Gods. I, I followed it up with Anansi Boys, which uh, is, you know, it's a semi-sequel, and I had started reading probably when I was in high school or college, and for some reason I, I I didn't keep going with it. I reread it. It's great. It didn't have any problems this time. Great book. I recommend everyone. You don't even need to read American Gods, but you probably should anyway. Uh, They they are actually very thematically different. Um, The our next episode I will talk about one of the books that I read over between these books because it's very important. It's a very good point of comparison between our next book and why that book is a miserable steaming pile.
1: Oh come on, okay. Announce our next book then. Announce our next book. What is our next book?
0: All right, our next book, which I've already
1: (laughs) told which I, which I have not started yet
0: no so maybe we won't even do it i don't know No, I mean, we will
1: we no we totally we totally will
0: all right the next book is the goblin emperor by Catherine addison
1: i'm so excited i'm so excited to finally read this book
0: i'm so mad at that book but i'm <laughs> I, <laughs> just <laughs> don't worry the rant is coming you're gonna get such a rant for that one
1: okay i i mean i i so many people have recommended this book to me uh and and this author that I, i'm so so psyched and it uh i want to say uh but the most recent one was my my friend jeff who uh sent me a recommendation so we'll talk about that when the time comes uh we should invite everybody else though if you have a recommendation you don't have to be a friend of ours you can just send us a recommendation for something willow might like some book willow might like to bookstabber podcast that's it's just bookstabber podcast at gmail.com uh or you can uh, contact us through any of our social media or via the library comic website all right you're gonna read today
0: am i gonna read
1: are you, are you reading something today? Yeah, you finished You finished uh, The Goblin Emperor already. Are you, f- you reading anything at all?
0: I did. I'm reading The Magicians you... by Lev Grossman. I still have uh, like four hours on it.
1: And I'm, I'm trying to... Uh, I, I'm still working my way through Crying in H Mart, which is such a wonderful book, but it, it makes me tear up so often that I have to uh, put it down about every five pages and then, and then read something else. V- very slow going. Maybe I'll talk about that sometime too. All right, signing off?
0: Yep, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you so much. Keep reading, keep stabbing. You stabbed it.